Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Eve Cox. Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Eve. Thank you for being back in the saddle with me this morning for another Mental Dialogue discussion. We also have a special guest on the line. I'm trying to get a couple of guests on, but um, we'll see if we'll be able to get both on. But, Eve, thanks again for being with me, Queen. If you will, say hello to the truth seekers before I introduce uh, our special guest on the line with us. Hello, Queen. You available? I uh, got her on the line. I don't know if she's muted or something. All right, well, I'll go ahead and introduce our special guest, Latrice. How you doing, Queen? Thank you for being back with us. We have special guest, Latrice Ross. For those long time Latrice definitely yeah, Latrice has definitely been one of our special guest co hosts in the past. So I gotta bring her on specifically as a guest. And hold on one second. All right. All right. Actually Latrice, I think that's you got something in the background. As well. Is it? Yep, still hearing it. I don't know. All right, y'all. We're going to get this thing started. Y'all bear with us. Having a little technical difficulties this morning. Uh, I think it's going away now. I was trying to figure it out, trying to get my guest co host on. I think I still hear something in the background. Are you moving in the background, Latrice? Yeah, I'm moving. 
Mm-hmm. I'm sitting still in an empty room. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I'm hearing something on the line. Everybody, I don't know what's going on right now, y'all. Hearing something on the line. Uh, I think I have a live line. Y'all, y'all bear with me. All right, sorry for the rough start, but Latrice, thank you, Queen, for being with me again, if you will, uh, for this morning's discussion question. You are actually a guest in your role as a diversity consultant, if you will, but I'll let you give people more of your background for this morning's discussion question. Do we truly want a colorblind society? Go ahead, Queen. I would say, well, thanks for having me as a guest. I, I don't know how to act. <laughs> in this capacity. <laughs> but, you know, thank you for having me as a guest. Um, and when I think about the question, I, I would say no. Um, as a black woman living in our society as it is now, I I don't believe that I would want to live in a colorblind society. And we've now we're actually now seeing what happens when others raise a generation of, of children to be colorblind, they don't see the prejudice and bias that others um, are on the receiving end of. And so I think that that whole philosophy of living in a colorblind society because of our history is not logical at all. See, you're so used to being a guest co-host, you forgot to give your background. I know. <laughs> I know. So my background is, I told you I didn't know how to yeah, ask. Yeah, that's what I asked you. Yeah, you don't even know what to do as, a, as, a, as an actual guest. This is, you know, this has been a long I time since you've been a guest. Probably, probably about three, four years since you was just a guest. So you're in a different role it, today. It but yeah, if you will, was, I, 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 I want to highlight time. your background in reference to this morning's discussion because, again, I think it after applied, and I asked you to be Absolutely. a guest. Again, I know I, I'm giving out diversity consultant, but you can get a little more into that. I think I got Eve on as well, but I'm going to go ahead and let you give out your background and see if we can get Eve, sure. uh, my co-host, on today. All right, go ahead, Queen. Sure. And and just I think the last time I was a, a, a guest was the Shea Moisture issue year, what, 2017? Yeah, that's been a long time. Yeah, that's been a long time. Yeah, that's been three years ago. Absolutely. Go ahead, Queen. So my background is I've been a diversity diversity, equity and inclusion consultant for nearly 10 years, Um, and with that I work with organizations to um, help put together strategies to make the work environment um, more equitable. I um, work to to, deliver, design and deliver diversity, equity, and inclusion training, um, anything related to diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace, um, I'm a go-to consultant for that. No, sounds good. Uh, let me just see if I can get Eve live on the air again. Eve, you out there? I know we were trying to get good you on. I couldn't hear you the first time. I don't know if you might have been muted. How are you doing, Queen? You good this morning? I'm here. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? No, doing well. Doing can you well. hear so me? Glad to yeah, we hear you coming through now. Yeah, we definitely hear you coming through okay. uh, loud and clear. No, everything's good. Everything's good. But as I kind of let the cat out the bag already, I, I don't know if you heard me and Latrice kind of going back and forth. She served in the role of guest co-host for me so many times, she didn't even know how to act. So, again, thank you for being with me and getting through this conversation. Uh, for those that have seen the advertisement, I'll just kind of highlight. Uh, we're supposed to have another special guest, Mark Carmen. He's unfortunately having a family matter. So, uh, he's looking to come on later. Definitely would like to have him as a part of the conversation. Some of you may have heard Mark in the past. But, Eve, again, thank you, Queen, for being with us this morning. If you will, say hello to the Truth Seekers and our special guest, Latrice. Uh, if you want to share a little background before we get started with this morning's discussion question, uh, do we want a colorblind society? Please do at this time. 
All right. Good morning, Latrice. Uh, very impressive background. Um, so I'm happy to be here with you and Montoya. Um, so let's go ahead and dive in. All right. So the well, way we always about dive my background? in. Well, if you want, if you want to share, I didn't know if you. Yeah, you kind of seem like you just skipped it. So yeah, please jump in if you. But you know, if well, you want, to, yeah, whatever you want to give, yeah, whatever you want to share. Okay. So my background, I'm a uh, a former uh, citizen of the historic Selma, Alabama. Um, I spent many years there, where um, that's the birthplace of the civil rights movement. Um, and then I um, went on to be an educator, so I spent many years teaching um, the youth. Um, and then now I am in the uh, insurance business, so um, a little bit of uh, a jump from teaching, but um, I'm excited to be here to jump into this topic. Nah, sounds good. All right, so I'm going to ask you because Latrice kind of answered it pre pre answered it. Uh, so I'll just get a quick got about a minute before we go to our initial break. But when you first saw this as one of our potential questions for this morning, and it was something that you were kind of interested in discussing, do we truly want a colorblind society? Just can you give me your first thought, not the, the in depth thought, but just your first initial thought when you saw that this was a potential question for this morning? Um, you, you know, what did you think to yourself? That was a great question. Um, for me personally, I did have to reflect on, you know, my personal thoughts. Um, and the first thing that came to mind is, you know, I want everybody to know that I'm black. I want it to be, uh, you know, respected. Um, and so I respect differences. So I don't think that we need a, a where it's so colorblind because. Um, we each bring something different to the table. And, you know, the color of our skin um, does contribute to what we bring to the table. Uh, makes sense. Well, we are against our first break. Uh, just keep in mind, uh, I think it may be you and you something's in the background just, and it's coming through on the air just so you know. All right, we are going up against our first break. We do got some callers out there. We're going to get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion question. Do we truly want a colorblind society? We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways. Every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Big Sis Media Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Sis Media. You need web design? Call Big Sis Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Sis Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Sis Media. Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? 
BigSisMediaGroup.com 404-465-4348 Again, that's BigSisMediaGroup.com Call them at 404-465-4348 You have repeatedly criticized the the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing extremist groups. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? Are you prepared to to specifically do it? I would say say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right wing. So what are you you, you saying? I'm I'm willing to do anything. I want to see peace. Then do it, sir. Say it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a name. White supremacists and right right boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing problem. One moment was horrifying enough to break out and get noticed. And you know it's bad when even Trump's own supporters are left saying, you're done f***ed up. The president, well, he would not condemn white supremacists. I agree that uh, the president uh, made, a, made a bad error, and I think that was a huge gap. He was, he was kind of like playing around. I, I didn't like that he equivocated when he could have slam-dunked that. Uh, I think he misspoke. I think he should correct it. If he doesn't correct it, I guess he didn't misspeak. Donald Trump proved the biggest layup in the history of debates by saying not condemning white supremacists. I don't know if he didn't hear it, but he's got to clarify that right away. That's like, are you against evil? Um, why the president didn't just uh, knock it out of the park, I'm not sure. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, do we truly want a colorblind society? My co-host, Eve Cox, is on the line with me, as well as special guest, Latrice Ross. And I start with the presidential gaffe because in 2020, it is hard for me to believe when we think of the concept of colorblindness. And y'all both have given, you know, just a brief opinion on, in a sense, that you're not a fan of colorblindness. But if we think about the history of that word and how it has been used quite often, the idea is the, the idea in America that if we were a colorblind society, we might, in fact, be better. But to see, in my opinion, a standing president incapable of denouncing white supremacy, in my mind, regardless of whether colorblindness is effective or not, in my mind, it is the concept of what colorblindness, at least is how it's, what is intended for, at least how it is told to us. Again, we're going to get in depth, but I wanted to start there. It just happened. And, again, a standing president starting there seems to be moving in the opposite direction from the concept of colorblindness. Again, the concept, I'll say it again, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, it definitely seems to be moving in the opposite directions. Any any thought, because, again, I just started in that place, any thoughts, Eve, in reference to that happening this past week and, and, and our president, if you will? Uh, that was, I listened to the debate, but that was honestly, I walked away at the time when he made that uh, comment. Um, but, you know, 
for me, I'm not surprised that he wouldn't just condemn it. Um, that's just, he's shown us who he is. So, you know, it's not surprising to me. Fair enough. Um, Latrice, any thoughts, you know, again, in reference to this morning, let's, you know, let's keep it in reference to this morning's discussion. Again, I'm starting there because it just happened. And again, I will say I'm surprised. Eve says she's not, but I'll say I'm surprised that in that position, when I hear a Fox commentator say the easiest layup in history in, 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 in debate, I am surprised that we couldn't slam dunk the easiest layup in history, in my opinion. And this comes off, let me say this real quick, this comes off the heel of a, a, a thoughtful rant, which is a new series we have. And, you know, give a shameless plug here, or I, as I always say, an unshameless plug, of a thoughtful rant where I, had, I spoke with a, a black conservative about how can they still support Trump. And I got a Fox commentator saying, hey, this is the biggest layup in history. And I had the black conservative saying, no, it was a setup question. So kind of funny to me to hear that, um, you know, to hear that cut uh, this morning from a Fox commentator saying it was the biggest layup in history and the president blew it. So, again, thoughts in reference to being, are we moving towards colorblindness, the concept of it, or is our president moving us far, far away from it, I guess is the question. Go ahead, Queen. Um, I think that... Um, he may have tried to present – let me rephrase that. He hasn't even tried to present it as moving us towards a colorblind society. He's moving us towards a more patriotic society um, by removing those things that speak truth to our history. And I was not surprised. It's not the first time. Ah, Fair enough. Fair enough. And so – Let's talk about this concept. We actually got a caller that wants to get in, but before we get to the caller, let's break down, in a sense, the concept of colorblindness. I'll say, as a youth growing up, there was a period in time where I bought into it. I mean, you being in the diversity world, you probably can speak to this in a lot more detail in how messaging has changed over the years. I know you could absolutely recall this, but I could just tell you, in a sense, in high school and even in my early college years, there was this concept of, America being this big melting pot and this concept of colorblindness. Uh, I will say, like both of you, I am objectively against it at this point in my life, but as a young man trying to understand the concept and the way it was used, again, in diversity conversations, it was something that it seemed like I wanted to seek, and eventually it clearly was something I did not want once I better understood it. Uh, But, again, at the same time, I think the majority of America, in my opinion, is still at least embracing that the concept of colorblindness to a certain extent, even though it's not pushed as much in the diversity world. Latrice, if you could just, in a sense, speak to that messaging and how it at least was the concept of it, you know, in a sense, how it was used. And now I think we have a better understanding of it, again, in my opinion. Go ahead, Queen. The way that it it, it was presented, is that it's a, it's a method or the best way to end discrimination, um, and that is by treating individuals as equally as possible without regard to their race, their culture, their ethnicity, um, just view everybody the same, just huge melting pot. The problem with that is that people are proud, proud of their cultural heritage. People don't want to lose themselves in the melting pot. And quite frankly, um, when you look at it from a psychological perspective, 
it wasn't really done out of an effort to make our society better. It was done because talking about issues of race and racial um, inequity is uncomfortable to discuss, and it brings about stress when the majority population is confronted with issues around racial inequity. Now, fair enough. Um, Eve, if you will, um, you know, I won't I always give out my age on the show. I know you, you're not you're younger than me, not a lot younger, I'll say, but just in a sense of close enough that you recall coming up trying to understand that concept. Uh, did you ever experience, whether it be diversity conversations or just even just even if it wasn't a particular conversation, do you recall your, in a sense, understanding of colorblindness when you first heard it as a young, you know, young girl, a young lady, if you will? Well, I'll tell you that my mom raised me. Um, She would always say, um, I don't see color. You know, I don't see color. Um, And so we moved from Michigan to Selma, and I still came with that mindset, don't see color. I don't see color because that's what I was taught always. We always were around diverse groups of people. That's just how I was raised. Um, And so moving to Selma, um, I started to hear what was going on in the city with the elected officials. I started being able to, you know, pay attention to headlines in the newspaper. And, you know, just with my mom being as active as she was and still is in the community, um, even to this day, process is I don't see color. Um, when I was younger, I um, I had a brother who would always um, point out the differences. And, you know, it took me a while to understand that people do see color. And no, my brother enough. said oh, that okay. my mom put on, yeah, my my brother always said, well, your mom put the rosy colored glasses on you, you know, but this is what's real. This is something that exists. Um, so I was probably maybe 10 years old when I started to understand that everybody sees the differences, especially as it relates to color. Uh, fair enough. Let me ask you this real quick, and we'll go to a caller. Um, so in, in saying you kind of started recognizing, okay, people do recognize it, did you ever have any experiences in which, you know, especially hearing your background, because I didn't know, uh, you know, I, I definitely hear the I don't see color in the way I grew up growing up in the South. Uh, it would be something I would hear, in a sense, my white friends try to say, or especially when I went to college, I heard it, again, being involved in all these diversity conversations. So it was something I constantly heard from my white friends. Growing up in the South, you can imagine we never <laughs> we never said that because it was obvious that color mattered from the day we went to school, if you will. You know, we were kind of in our own insulated in our own neighborhoods to a certain extent before we started going to school as kids. It you know wasn't a big deal. I mean, you know, whatever, because it was in a sense mostly just us. And we definitely, you know, when you're a kid, you definitely don't think about it. And I do. I mentor you know kids out of school right now, and I'll say that for the most part, when you're a child is it's not something that's kind of that con- these concepts of race have to be put into you. Um, but with that said, again, you've noticed that at 10, have you ever had an experience in your life where 
again, especially with you growing up with the rose-colored glasses, as you say, that it was a, a rude awakening versus just your brother kind of saying, hey, it's not that. Have you ever had an experience? You may not have, but I'm just asking. Yeah, no, I can't say, you know, at that point that I've had, I had an experience that helped me, you know, directly that was, um, you know, classifying me in a, in a, you know, way just based on where I was located. So I didn't have a experience per se. He was my experience. Um, and then moving to Selma was my experience because I began to see, um, it, experience it um, directly, um, the differences, um, just based on, you know, I'm just going to keep it simple and say just, um, you know, how people were living in Selma versus how they were living where I came from in Michigan where it was very diverse. Um, so nothing in particular other than that. Okay, fair enough. Let's see what the caller has to say. Area code 678-3243. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Do we truly want a colorblind society? Good morning, uh, Queen. Good morning, King. This is Jason Warner out of Atlanta. I love this discussion. Uh, I wanted to uh, answer two things. One, the the statement coming out of the break when you said the president made a big gap, right? He didn't make a big gap. If someone asked you to denounce the mental dialogue community club, would you do that? No, because you're the leader of the mental dialogue community club. So if you listen to his statement, stand down, stand by, you can only do that if you have control of that group. So innately, he is not going to denounced that. He is friends with folks like David Duke. It's been reported that his father, Fred Trump, was a a member of the KKK. So how can you denounce something that's in you if you truly believe these are the right people? To the other point of the question, do we want to see a color by society and what you talked about when we were growing up, that melting pot? Those things were a, a, a contradiction of thought, right? Because when they talked about the melting pot, they talked about the mixture of culture and just like seasoning a pot with a whole lot of different seasonings and different, different spices. Well, that's different from colorblindness because colorblindness is like void of color, void of taste. So you can't say the same two in the same sentence. And if we focus on that mixture, it's appreciating the diversity of thought, diversity of culture, diversity of experiences. And I don't think anyone wants to be in a society that is colorblind. Unfortunately, America just doesn't like blackness and is never like blackness. And if we were a, a, a tool that no longer has use. But America loves to go to, you know, eat at, in, in Chinatown or Little Italy or, you know, understand Spanish cuisine and do all these immersion that culture. The only thing that America doesn't like is black. Now, they come get our soul food too now, Jason. Now, I, I'm gonna let, I definitely want to get both of my guests' thoughts on some of what you had to say. I'm going to keep you on because you gave a couple of thoughts. 
and you know, I want you to be able to respond as well. For anybody out there listening, you do have to press one if you want to be like Jason and get in on this morning's discussion and you're on the phone line, definitely press one to let us speak. Uh, to get, I mean, we'll let you speak. Uh, but on, on the first point, just because you went there, um, now let's, you know, and this is, again, I just, again, I just highlighted, the, again, I'm making an unshameless plug. So check out Thoughtful Rants. There are random shows we do. It's just radio conversations between me and a guest. Uh, but with that said, Jason, uh, there's been several occasions where President Trump has absolutely denounced uh, to, to the most recent, uh, if, if, you know, I don't know how many of you got into the quote-unquote platinum plan for black people that he recently unveiled. Uh, actually, it was fun to me, just literally a week before his gaffe on TV Tuesday. Uh, somebody has something in the background. If y'all could please mute yourself, that definitely will help because we can hear it on the show. But anyway, um, in the platinum plan, he basically said he wanted to label, for example, the KKK as terrorists. And there's there's been times where he's went out with a prepare statement absolutely denouncing white supremacy. So I'm just kind of sharing now how I look at it, and I'm pretty sure you see it this way. When he's prepared, he says the right thing. Pushed into a corner, he gaffs. So as with most people, uh, if you've got a chance to prepare what you're going to say versus what are your, you know, what are your feelings when you pressed, which one am I going to believe? That's a fair thought. But again, I'm just throwing out, he has absolutely denounced white supremacy on several occasions just to, again, keep the facts correct. Um, just to throw that out. Well, um, on your second I, point, I, oh, go ahead, please, guys, go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. I, all I was saying is that's his true belief. To your point, his prepared statement is what somebody else wrote for him. His true beliefs and what's ingrained in him. See, prepared is what they want you to say. His, it, so it's not a gap. It's his reality. Is when they call it a Freudian slip. No, that's what you really wanted to say, and that's what you truly believe deep down. I can prepare you. I've prepared political uh, statements for years. I've prepped people for speeches for years. If you go off script, it's what's internal into you. So it's not a gap. The gap is actually his prepared script because that is not innately what he believes. So his true belief has come out during that pressure point when he is speaking from his true heart because if it's totally ingrained in you, that's who you are. Like, you can put on Fair the enough. rosy glasses and pretend all those things for years and say, oh, this is what I want to do. We tell people he's going to build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. Like, that's, I mean, that sounds good to your, to a base, but he knew he couldn't do that. The same is no, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I don't, and I don't want to jump too far, and I just wanted to, you know, at least, at least point out that he has announced it. But, again, I, I definitely agree with pushing a corner, that's your true feelings versus a prepared statement. But I just wanted to at least get that out because we initially said he wouldn't denounce it. And, again, I know you didn't necessarily mean it that way, but I just wanted to add that clarity. Uh, and then the one question when you say I don't – is one thing that you said that I wanted to ask you about when you said I don't think anybody in America wants color blindness. I would say just based on my life experiences that there are people who are pushing for it who think it's the right thing. So I'm just throwing out that there are some people who absolutely believe that is the best way to move. There are some people who, like Eve said, she grew up with the concept, you know, her, her own mother, you know, this is a queen on the line, was raising her from the concept of I don't see color. So there are people who may not understand the consequences of it, but who actually do push for it, just to throw that out to you, you know, if you will. Um, Latrice, I didn't if you say will, anybody kind of jump in on that. Color 
I didn't say people didn't want to okay. see color blindness. I did. I said people want they don't want the lack of culture experience. So that's why okay, those, I so the, the the melted pot and the color blindness are two separate things, right? Because the meaning okay. of color blindness says you don't identify and see the diversity which makes up this melting pot. So those are okay. diametrically no, opposed statements. Not fair enough. Uh, Latrice, any thoughts on what Jason had to say? Um, I agree with um, with what Jason had to say. First of all, um, wanting to declare the KKK as a hate group, he's had three and a half years to do that, and he hasn't done it. And instead of saying that if you elect me again, this is what I will do, why not sign one of those executive orders that he takes so much pleasure in me exposure signing? So that's that's hogwash, for lack of a better term, um, okay. as far as us being, um, you know, being – colorblindness was, was conceived because it made it, it made it easier for white people to, be, to absolve themselves of guilt by not having to confront race, racial inequity and strife. And that's what that has caused is a group of people who now – it was well-meaning, you know, they thought it was doing the right thing. But now they can't see the inequity that exists, that still exists in our society. And so the people that I work with who said, I, I don't see color, I was raised not to see color, I understand that. But unless they were raised in an environment that was not homogenous, filled with other people that look and act and think like them, then they don't understand the true black experience and all that goes with it the redlining, having our homes undervalued, being harassed by the police, inequitable education, all of those things that go along with being black, because they were raised colorblind, they also don't see that. And that's why we're here today. Now, it makes sense. We're actually up against the break. Jason, thank you for a great three cents. Got Brother Pianchi coming out. But, Eve, we'll get to your thoughts coming out of this break. So our sponsor, Square Business Entertainment, brings us a new hit. It's always pumping out. Uh, new records. I like this one, Rough Patch by Taylor Place. We'll be right back listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Yeah. Hate it when you get frustrated, and I cannot figure out why our relationship's in a coma, but I don't want it to die. One mistake in my past, you gotta let me live that down. There's no trust, eagles won't discuss why we're not talking right now. Problems will always arise, but we don't have to act like this. This storm too shall pass, the time is what I miss. Can we cut each other some slack? We got an inch that's tough to scratch. Promise we'll get on track. Now to 
uh, stop worrying about black people and just think of them as regular people, regular Americans. I was mystified by this comment. What I think she meant was is that we have moved toward a colorblind society which will allow us to make progress, that we still don't have to be left in the same place about race that we've been left in the United States. Uh, but I would argue that I don't know if that's going to be progress. In fact, it may erase black people and erase their particular history and put political relationship to the United States. It may make it possible for us to forget how much struggle we've been through. Also, sociologist W.E.B. Du Bois has told us that black people have a double consciousness, a double consciousness that gives them a particular gift, which means that they, they've often been the moral center for the United States. They are, in fact, Americans and, and black. How would it have been if Martin Luther King had not thought of himself as, as an American and as a black man? How would it have been uh, for Hurricane Katrina if Condoleezza Rice had still felt herself to be a black woman and identified with the black women in New Orleans? Maybe she would have gotten Bush to respond differently. So I think that we should not move toward color blindness as an American ideal. We should move toward a color consciousness which allows us to talk about race in a way that makes it complex, serious, nuanced, and something that we all want to talk about, not something that makes us defensive and uncomfortable. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest, Patrice Ross, my co-host, E. Cox, on with me. Do we truly want a colorblind society as we hear a cut from the concept of colorblind or color conscious? I will tell you, even the idea of doing this show has been with me for a number of years. It's not the first time we've colored the concept of colorblindness, if you will. But I always want to attribute uh, the first place I heard this concept, which is similar to what you just heard in the cut, uh, Bernard Kenzie, he and his wife, they have the largest collection of African-American artifacts in the country sharing some of their um, artwork and things of that nature, just kind of in a lot of historical artifacts, just really get digging into our current, current, our history as African-Americans, even in this country and before even coming here. Um, but with that said, I remember the first time I got to go see uh, the uh, exhibition here years ago in Atlanta, I got to go see it, and when he spoke, it was the first time I heard this concept. He said, the biggest mistake we had made in this country was pushing for color blindness, um, similar to what you said, Latrice, and it, it, was, it, was, it may have had good intent behind it, um, but he said it was the biggest mistake we ever made. And what he said was, he says, what we should have shot, shot for in this country specifically because it is a much more diverse country than most places or most countries around the world due to the diversity we should have been pushing for what he called color richness should have been a, we wish in other words, where we actually have complete respect for one another's cultural differences, whether it be related to race or other things. But that concept would have in a sense got us out of the concept of being othered or they are different. So therefore I am afraid of you because this country has definitely you know, again, being founded on this concept of having racial racial differences, and let's keep this, let's let's be a hundred percent about this: the idea of race being a social construct. We we definitely understand in 2020 the way we see ourselves through our racial lens is something that is actually relatively new to the world, 
And some a lot of people have never heard that. They don't understand that race is a social construct, that the elite of this country intentionally divided us via race to to get a difference between us and if you will at the time, poor whites. And it's still getting played out as it was started at that time, it plays out. So that in a sense lets me know the very as I always say, the very few people that in a sense fan fan the flames because it was economically to their advantage, lets me know that even they understood there was no concept of inferiority or superiority, but because, one, it protected them, and, no, two, it protected them. Number one, it made them money to continue to, in a sense, conquer this land in this manner. And I'm saying I'm giving all of that context to say we started out it was an economic advantage to create race in the manner we know it today. Kenzie says, hey, had we pushed for colored richness once they're the melting pot, in a sense, if that concept was ever going to come true, it wouldn't be a, a thing where we see ourselves all the same, but it would be a concept where we actually respect and inquire about your difference instead of being afraid of it. Um, I'll get both of your thoughts to kind of a lot of what I just said, and then we'll go to Brother Pianchi um, uh, after that. But go ahead, Eve. I'll let you kind of respond to that uh, as well. And if you still want to you know, bring a comment prior to the break, please do that as well. Uh, we actually Before have a, the break. A bad connection, Eve. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're coming Wait, through it now. Can you go ahead. hear me? Uh, okay. Yeah, I think so, you might need to call uh, back in because it's going, it's in and out. I'm gonna have you call back in, Queen, because it's okay. definitely a bad connection. Right okay. Mhm. Yep. Just call right back in. All right, Latrice, I'm gonna let you respond, and I'm gonna go to Brother Pianchi. Okay. Um. What the the whole concept of color richness, I call it multiculturalism, is a much better concept than color blindness because multiculturalism actually allows people to be who they authentically are. It, it doesn't diminish them as individuals. They're actually able to to live their authentic truth. Um, when the concept of color blindness was was conceived, like I said, it was done so because it's uncomfortable talking about issues around racial inequity. It's uncomfortable to talk about white privilege. Well, it's not uncomfortable for us, but it's uncomfortable for those who have the privilege to sit and discuss that privilege without being triggered. And so if I now, meaning well, raise my children to not see color, then we will eventually do away with racism. But that's not true because racism and inequity is built into the very fabric of this country. Um, we, We experience inequities in pay, education, judicial system, healthcare, every aspect of our society there's inequities that are woven into it. And so not talking about it hasn't made it go away. And so until we begin to stand flat-footed and address the issues in our society, they're not going to miraculously and magically go away. Uh, makes a lot of sense. I'm going to get Brother Pianchi in. Let's see, I'm trying to see if okay, he's back on as well. Let me get, get her back in. Hold on. Uh, y'all bear with us. We're trying to work through it. We're all on the phone, y'all. Sometimes it happens. Technical difficulties. Uh, this, Eve, I'm gonna let you. Is this better? I'm hoping you. I hope so. It's, a, it's a still a little rough. So I don't know, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely a little better than earlier. You go ahead, Queen. Okay, so I was just gonna say to Latrice's point, um, 
they didn't want to see it or face, you know, the years and years of mistreatment of African people. So it was easy to say, okay, let me, let's just say it doesn't exist and then we can move on. Um, But something came to mind, which is they can't unsee it now. So it's really difficult. You know, the conversations are happening now um, about the mistreatment of black people. Um, the videos of brutality is difficult to ignore it. You can't you can't say it doesn't exist anymore because it's in your face. You know, so mm-hmm. go ahead. You know, no, 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 absolutely. Oh, no, that's it. I mean, that's just one of those things that it's not working anymore. <laughs> that doesn't work. You know, we have to so, address. Go ahead. No, no, absolutely makes sense. What I will say that was part of that conversation, at least from what I can tell, and I'm, you know, I would love, to, in a sense, be a young person in this day to see how much this happens. But what's what's part of that conversation is still this concept of color blindness, in the sense of, as you say, we see these things happening. There is still a push in some of those conversations to say, well, you know, how do we get past this? And some people still use the concept of not seeing race as a way to get past it. Like that is it's still part of the ingrained way to get past it, even though we are in a sense disagree with it. We are up against the break. We'll be right back. You listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. You hear politicians as well as teachers, ordinary folks say, we ought to be colorblind. We ought not to see or care about race anymore. But for me, rather than being a virtue, I see colorblindness as often a form of cruelty. Um, To say that you don't care about another person's race is often to say you don't care about their racialized experience. Well, I think colorblindness is a concept uh, or, or a word uh, that we use more as a, as, a, as, a, as a deflection mechanism to avoid dealing with the problem. But the idea that this is a colorblind society is not exactly well accepted in communities of color. And when people insist that we are colorblind, then what, what you're saying is, is that their reality is not real. When it comes to race, what we seem to have decided, it is better if we don't notice when they are people of color or white, or if we notice that we don't talk about it. So even more than colorblindness, it's color muteness. 
something Julian Bonds told us for years, that to be blind to color is to be blind to the consequences of color, and as he puts it, especially the consequences of being the wrong color in the United States. Hello. I think we're back on. Yeah, Montoya, we can't hear you. Hello, was that Brother Bianchi? Yeah, he unmuted my mic. I guess you can make your statement until we kind of keep the dialogue going until Montoya gets back in. Well, what I was going to tell him is that we're talking about human beings, human experiences. Uh, Somebody made a statement about talking about something. It's not that by talking about something, it's about what you do. And what you've done. I voted for this president and will again based on the issues he put out there and what he has done in order to change those issues, to put those issues into effect. And mm-hmm. there is a thing of color blindness. Now, if we're going to make comments about the world, you look at the Civil War that Nigeria had in 67 or between 70. They're all the same color. The government versus the secessionist group of Biafra, and they fought and killed each other. Those are human beings. Human beings do those things. Even in this nation, all blacks do not experience the same. And I think it would do justice that people recognize that and respect that. I hear folks oftentimes use the broad, encompassing word of we and us whereas it should be more related to their opinion and their own experiences. Uh, Their opinion is personal objectivity, but it's not the factual objectivity, and that has to be considered. Uh, Donald Trump, in his first congressional speech, spoke out for black, the way you said African Americans in particular, and one can listen to that today. But at the same time, we have to look at, in 2009, Bill Clinton, in an interview, said that he believed and thought it would be best for Syrian refugees to redevelop Detroit. Well, that's unusual. And his wife said the same, have said the same thing, too, along the lines of using uh, Syrian refugees. But all I've ever heard was how great he was for black people, being the first black president with dark glasses and a saxophone, and he's kicking their democratic state all the black community in Detroit 
They're kicking them under the bus and replacing them with Syrian refugees. So we're talking about human beings. Human beings do that, and they will continue to do that, as they always have doing that. And one other thing, you have to listen to what people say. We talk about 40 acres and a mule, okay, the 40 acres, and we talk about how bad this country was for taking land. Well, if Tacoma Sherman was going to give blacks 40 acres, was he not giving blacks Indian land, and was it justified for them to take it? That's all I want to say. Thank you for that comment. Can you all hear me okay? I can hear you. I wanted to respond okay. if you don't mind. Yes, um, go right ahead. So they're, they're, the, con- the ideology of, of colorblindness is definitely a reality. Um, the logical nature of actually incorporating that into this country's society is a fallacy. When the past few years, let's say the last 20 years when this colorblind concept has been so prevalent um, and we were moving towards being a colorblind society, not seeing the racism that exists, um, we, what was actually happening is that we were being pushed towards accepting the, the norm of the majority. Because when I went into the store, I didn't have Band-Aids. Band-Aids that were supposed to be skin color were not my skin color. New pantyhose that were new, supposed to be skin color, were not my skin color. Um, hair products in the mainstream grocery store, I couldn't find for my hair. So it wasn't a colorblind society that was accepting of all. It was a colorblind society where we accepted the white, the, the, the white majority's position. That's the first thing. And we know the second thing to your other point about facts and, and using the, 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 the word we, um, there's data that shows that colorblind, colorblindness does not work. Um, there's data that shows that as a majority, as a, as, that as a community of people, black people are marginalized. Um, does, this make, does this mean that every black person is marginalized? No. Does this mean that every black person realizes that they're being marginalized? No. But the majority, as a community of people, are marginalized in various ways in this society, be it through redlining, um, inadequate health care, or inequitable health care, inequitable um, access to jobs or, or pay. Um, there are, are countless ways where there is actual factual data that shows the marginalization of black people, and that is during this period of time when colorblindness was being pushed. So at the end of the day, while we can push this ideology, like you said, we are human and we have a brain and our brain sees color and it actually you know we we often don't recognize that the the function of our brain is to keep us safe and that brain can perceive differences as unsafe and similarities as safe so we are naturally drawn to others who look like us and that's a function of the brain hey i'm actually back on the line can y'all hear me i'm just checking to see if i was able to get back in i'm not quite sure we can. Uh, well, I couldn't be heard. I but I'm hoping. You. Okay, good. I didn't know. If, I was hoping I wasn't speaking to again uh, in vain. Uh, but now, thank you for um, those <laughs> thoughts, Eva. I think you had something. We do have another caller that wants to get in, um, but I think you may have been saying something from what I could. I was had to get off the show and get back on myself, so I don't know what's going on this morning. But we're getting through it. We're getting through it. But Eva, I want to make sure I didn't cut you off before I went to the um, caller. 
I was just going to say that, yes, this is what we've had to face for years and years. It's a part of society to see color. And we're learning. We have to learn how to make this change together. So, you know, back, you know, when Bill Clinton, you know, was thought to be the best president for, you know, black people or whatever, and he made some missteps, he still will because he's still human. But the important piece is that we are still trying now to take the blinders off we're still now, just now getting to a point where we can sit down and have a mature conversation because the world is listening. The world can hear. We have to go through this phase together. We're growing together. So we're not going to always be, in my opinion, the way that we were, you know, in the past just because we're human. We have to change and evolve and grow, and I think that's what we're trying to do together. I do see progress. Absolutely. Again, somebody who's moving in the background is definitely coming through on the air in a major way. All right. Let me go to the caller. Area code two six seven last three four three five. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. If you're moving in the background, Hi. please consider muting yourself. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for calling in. Give us your name, where you're from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Um, I'm Siani. Hi, I'm live from ATL myself. Yes. Um, I just wanted to include my little three cents about um, basically the the conversation of colorism and color blindness that you guys have been having and I've been listening um from when I had tuned in and I'm kind of just like as much as I respect other people's opinions sometimes we also have to look at the realistic values of that with the concept of color blindness that also gives them the opportunity to have the erasure of our own cultural history of our own oppression because it wasn't just mistreatment it was oppression and um so at that point we're allowing them to continue to not include us in today's society because they're blame at that point they won't have the excuse of racism but they'll have the excuse of well we don't see color but the reality is my color has always made a difference in this country. My color is the reason behind how this country is built. And so to have somebody say, oh, well, I don't see color, but I'm still being treated the same way that I was 50 years ago because of the simple fact that because we no longer see color, but back then we did see color. But at this point, it's kind of just like we are allowing ourselves to fall into the trap of, we're allowing ourselves to fall into the trap of not holding them accountable because we're still fighting for our own rights. We're still fighting for our own representation in the media um, and all of that other stuff. And so I think that colorblindness is more of an idea, an ideology, not necessarily something that can actually be because of the simple fact that unless we tack on and unless we face the issues that we're already facing as a colored union, 
we're not going to see any change. And so at that point, to start to, to try to move to colorblindness would literally just be smacking our own selves in the face. But that was it. Hey, that was I love the three cents. No, no, that was beautiful. That was beautiful three cents. I <laughs> want to say this to you before I go because we're at the top of the hour. But I want to say that I would say, at least from what I could tell, and again, we've had some technical difficulties this morning, but for the most part, I think I'm hearing at least my co my, my, host, my co-host as well as um, our guest basically reject this concept altogether. We're just really just having the conversation, and I think you brought some beautiful points um, to this conversation this morning. So thank you for your call, Siani. We are at the top of the hour. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. And I cannot figure out why Our relationship's in a coma But I don't want it to die One mistake in my past You gotta let me live that down There's no trust Eagles won't discuss Why we're not talking right now Problems will always arise But we don't have to act like this Not being seen or even being forgotten about. 
but I will go as far as with some of the things that we've seen, and we've always had this, you know, in a sense, this group of people who are saying, hey, um, not only do I not like the concept of color blindness, but why, why even have the concept of being part of a group that has consistently, since we've been in this country, oppressed us? And so there's been this concept of taking a lot of pride. Like you even heard you, you say, hey, you're very proud of who you are from the very beginning. You said, hey, I don't want colorblindness. And I was surprised to hear you say you was raised with not seeing color. Again, I'm not typically used to hearing that from, you know, an African-American. Uh, but, it, you know, as you've gotten older, you say, hey, I'm, I'm proud of my color. I'm proud of my background, even though you were, in a sense, raised with the opposite concept because I definitely know African-Americans and, and sometimes we're quite judgmental. I definitely remember this in college um, and, and I'm not this way any longer, but sometimes there's always this concept of um, if you, if you did meet a black person who thought like that or said that it was always weird, especially for me coming from the South who obviously my color matters very, very much. So to the extent that I even recall them, for example, the KKK had a yearly March in my town until I, until I was in the fifth grade you know, that type of thing. So I, it was definitely evident where I came from, but when I would run into a, a black person who said they didn't see color, it was always the weirdest thing, if you will, and even to this day. Um, as a culture, we can be quite dismissive of someone being taught that or grown up with that concept because, one, we, we live out the experience where it doesn't make sense not to see my color. We don't want to be forgotten and it's, it seems weird to see a black person say it because we don't even like when in a sense a white person say it but again the pushback could be all right let's get rid of the concept of color blindness let's figure another way to come together and but then there are those who says we're tired of trying to come together with those who oppress us and so the concept at that point which you hear a lot of now as we're in a sense, I see a resurgence in our own um, black pride, if you will. So what a, a term that I love and, and use myself is the concept of being unapologetically black, if you will. So I wanted to share a, a quick piece. Um, I hope you all had a chance to check it out. Um, again, somebody has something in the background, so consider muting yourself if you're moving in the background. Um, but with that said, um, I wanted to share a quick piece and get both of your thoughts, Latrice and Eve, on this, as well as any of the callers that want to jump in. If you're on the line, you do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. The number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, you will have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. So here's a piece. Again, I go by Black Socrates. I call my pieces Black Socrates Speaks, and this one is entitled Unapologetically Black. I say in the piece, I love everyone, but I am unapologetically black. When you've been systematically degraded and taught to hate yourself, a profession of love for oneself and culture should not be seen as a stance of defiance, but simply as a gesture of common sense. Someone could, someone could say, what if I, as a white person, said I love being white? My answer to that is if you live in America or in a country where your history, culture, and traditions are celebrated, it becomes unnecessary. Trust me. Columbus is no hero of mine. Even if you, as a white person, travel to a country in which you are the minority, but you go there with knowledge of your history and culture to declare your love, declare you love being white, it is not, on, it is, it is not only an act of defiance, 
but rather a false statement of superiority. Only when brought up under circumstances in which you are the minority without knowledge of your history and culture, regardless of color, does it become natural to seek out a definition of oneself. Declaring love of self is simply for recognition. Um, Eve, any thoughts to my piece called Unapologetically Black? And I'm really just highlighting the, the idea of in, in, a, in, a, in a world of trying to figure out quote-unquote progress, as you call it, I'm really trying to figure out that concept of saying, hey, I'm proud of being black, I love being black, and then you still have those in the majority who push back and says, you know, oh, what if I said I'm proud to be white, or why, why, do you, why do you even have to point out your color? Like, these are some of the comebacks, and this is a response to that, if you will. So um, your thoughts to, 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 that, to that piece, if you will, Queen. Um, my response is, for sure, why do I have to point out my blackness? <laughs> it's because you see it. I live it. And that's why I have to point it out. Because if I don't point it out, it'll disappear if the majority had their way. So I have to point it out. We've, we've developed into it. Well, we are a society where Black people have been oppressed for years. And they could, they could have very well continued with that. Continue pushing that color blindness mindset. So, no, I have to point it out. I have to show you who you are. So we have to continue to be unapologetically black. That's it. No, fair enough. Um, Latrice, any thoughts? I don't know if you had a chance to kind of read the piece or heard what I said, but I was just wondering if there was anything in the piece that maybe, you know, stood out to you. And again, and I guess and to a certain extent, what Eve just said is to a certain extent why I wrote the piece, if you will, I have to if you will, but again, uh, I definitely touched on some aspects of the differences between I'm proud to be white versus I'm proud to be black or this concept of, you know, proud boys, which you may may or may not think of them. And, uh, you know, and to be fair to them, they do have black members. So that's a whole nother, a whole nother conversation. So I don't want to get too far with it, but again, because they were referenced in that way, um, you know, I'm saying, Hey, I'm proud to be black. And, and here's my piece that explains the difference. Any thoughts on that piece, if you will, Patrice? So I, I read the, the, the piece ahead of time and, and I actually agree with it. Um, I wrote something similar and shared on LinkedIn um, back in June or July. Um, what we need to understand is that when we are saying that we are pro-black or unapologetically black, or we love our blackness, we are simply declaring in a society that tries to erase us that we are not going to be erased. Um, I don't know if you heard part of my comment, but when we talked about colorblind society, we weren't, we weren't rushing towards where everyone was accepted and everyone was, was viewed as they are. If that were the case, then I would be able to go into the store and buy Band-Aids that matched my skin. Instead, I have to search on Amazon for a, an exclusive brand that matches my skin. 
If that were the case, I could go into any grocery store, regardless of location, and find hair care products for my hair. But we were not barreling towards a colorblind society. We were barreling towards a society that tried that has tried to immerse us into um, the the white majority population. And by saying this, they I think sometimes get the sense that we are rejecting what they are, and that's not the case. We're simply loving who we are, just as you do. But because you are considered the norm because white mainstream society is considered the norm. Like you said, you don't have to say it because the Band-Aids speak for themselves, if you will. Nude hosiery speaks for itself. The fact that there is a, she is a ballerina designer who had to design nude ballerinas for black dancers speaks to that. So it's uncomfortable for them because it's challenging their sense of self, and that everything in the world that's normal relates to white multicultural, the, 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 the white majority population. And this is, um, I guess, putting that infrastructure, it, it makes it shaky for them, I suppose. Uh, fair enough. For the colleges out there, if you're trying to get in, if you've been on hold, I hope you're listening. You have to press one to let us know you want to speak. Some people choose to listen via the phone, so I don't want to bring you up unless you're trying to get your three cents in this morning. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. Give us your three cents on do we truly want a colorblind society. Uh, We've been getting through some technical difficulties this morning. I'm going to go to another break, and and this cut may speak to, uh, after the commercial you'll hear, a cut that speaks to, as I was kind of mentioning, those within the African-American community who I even saw people saying this, and I definitely want to hear your thoughts after this cut, um, saw people saying that they didn't have a problem with what Trump said because, and their reason why, and I think this is okay as well, because I run in these circles, and their reason why was I I expressed uh, my black pride, so I'm not tripping about whites expressing their white pride. And, 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 and they're saying I express my black pride from a standpoint of I don't want to be a part of those who oppress us. Let's get our own. Let's have our own. And so it bothers me not when, you know, someone comes out front and says, hey, I'm proud of my whiteness. They're like, hey, I'm proud of my blackness, so I have no problem when they're proud of their whiteness. Again, these are just thoughts that I've seen in circulation after that comment. Um, by our president. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Big Sis Media Group is a full-service design agency with tools available to help clients communicate with audiences through visual and digital media. So what exactly does that mean? You need graphic design? Call Big Sis Media. You need web design? Call Big Sis Media. You need audio or video production? Call Big Sis Media. You need a branded strategy for your business? Call Big Sis Media. Damn, they do everything, don't they? Nope, even better. They're professionals. Whatever service you need, they do a consultation, send over a contract with a deadline, and meet that deadline. A true one-stop shop for all your digital and media needs, all at an affordable price. What's their website and phone number? BigSysMediaGroup.com 404-465-4348 Again, that's BigSysMediaGroup.com Call them at 404-465-4348 
And Malcolm alludes to that at the end when he says, hey, uh, this white guy says to him, hey, they've been assisting, but these whites that are really trying to assist and be a friend haven't got a lot out of it. And Malcolm says, hey, this is being done just to pull the black vote, not because they're sincerely a friend, was his response to that guy. So, again, that's what stood out to me. Uh, Eve, anything in particular that stands out, you know, via that cut or in reference to what I said? Go ahead, Queen. Speak to the piece that you said about what does a friend look like. Um, and for me, the suggestion would be your effort. You do something individually to advance this shift or this change. That's my suggestion to anybody who would like to consider themselves a friend to our struggle and our progress. You do something. If each individual person would do their part by first acknowledging that we have struggled. And if they would acknowledge and then do just their part, we could move forward as a society without moving forward trying to minimize our history and where we come from and what we continue to deal with. So just simply acknowledging and Donald is what I'm going to call him. (laughs) He just simply could not do it. Because, for one, he would like to be reelected. So he had to pick a side. But he could have been a very instrumental piece in our society moving forward. as it pertains or relates to color. It's just a simple acknowledgement. Can I say this to you, Queen, because I'm, I'm, I'm really pointing to that element in our community that would say to you, um, in reference to what you just said, that the history shows that that's not going to be done or not done at a level high enough for us to be okay. So we don't want that type of progress. Like that's, that's kind of the group that I'm addressing. And in reference to Malcolm's cut, he's saying, you know, even those that we think that are on our side. So we're not even talking about, you know, in a sense, Donald Trump being a Republican president. He's talking about, in a sense, the liberals who appear to be with you, but ultimately are not. So that's kind of, you know, so definitely, I mean, that would be the recommendation if more, if more, of the majority had done what you said, maybe we're not having this conversation. But there are those who say the history and the record show there's never going to be enough. Like that's, I, I mean, I'm trying to speak for, you know, somebody out there feels this way, please call in and give us your own three cents. But again, as me, and again, seeing the different concepts out there, you know, what do you say to somebody who says, what are you talking about, Eve? I'm just saying, I'm just using this as an example. What are you talking about, Eve? 
they're never going to do that. What, what is your response to somebody who feels that way? And, and, and I would say rightfully so based on whatever their life has been in, you know, in this country, if you will. I'm going to say this. <laughs> this is just, this could still very well be me with the rosy colored glasses. Okay. So I just like to hope and think that we will get to that point. But it could just be me. You know, I had rosy colored glasses on for a while. <laughs> so And and that and those I, people I would say to you, you still got them on and that that that, that <laughs> type of hope has got us killed and still getting us killed. Uh, Latrice jump in at right. this point because there are people who feel that way sure. and, and they could point to you know, prime examples of betrayals and consistent portrayals and things that are, you know, proposed or as I, you know, even, the, you know, even talk about the politics of it. Like I say that about both of, like personally, I say that about both of the quote unquote black agenda plans, whether it be Joe Biden's or President Trump. I, from the standpoint of them giving it to, to us, it's not something I trust versus it coming from us. And, and the people that are in the, 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 in a sense, the group that I'm talking about, they're even past trying to give something or, you know, present an agenda because they're like, they've proven time or time they're not going to keep it. I, I think that's a fair question of your thoughts, Latrice. I, I think it is. And, and politically, I'm an independent. Um, and, and it's for that reason, because both I consider both sides to be two sides of the same coin. There are different, you know, planks that they each have. There are different ways that they express themselves to us as a community of people. But they essentially, at the end of the day, um, their interests are those of corporations and not necessarily people. Um, now, I, I look at elections as I need to choose a side that's going to make an impact, and I make my decisions based on that. But do I expect either liberals or conservatives to really, at the end of the day, have my best interest as a black woman at heart? Absolutely not. Um, but I do feel that the only way that we bring about that change is, is that we begin to step up and and be a part of the change that we want to see. Um, I'm not an isolationist, and so I believe that you're going to have to, you know, step up, decide, you know, where you're going to fit in in the political spectrum, and then get your campaign together and do what you need to do. Because that's where, you know, when we think about changes to the justice system, it begins with removing the protections of qualified immunity. Well, the way to do that is to become a part of the system that made qualified immunity a part of protections for police. So, you know, we have to figure out where we're going to draw a line in the sand and what part we're going to play once we draw that line. But depending on others to do it for us is an exercise in futility. Well, fair enough. And some of the exercise, I would say to you, Eve, is to a certain extent, it's an exercise of futility in a sense, in my opinion, hoping that enough of them would understand, and, and I don't even like saying them and they or whatever, but just for the context of this conversation, hoping that enough of them would understand, because what I share with, um, we had a, uh, a discussion maybe like a week ago, definitely follow us on mentaldialogue.com to keep up with our actual Zoom online event. So, Obviously, we're here every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., um, but for anybody out there listening, we actually do some of this live on Zoom, these same conversations. 
but I was just remembering uh, the last time we had a Mental Dialogue Connections event on Zoom, um, the after discussion, if you will, we got into the idea that if and if you, in a sense, are privileged in th- in this situation of color blindness, your life experience could be such that you don't understand it because you don't have a negative experience in this country. And so if you get to go through your country without a negative experience, then, um, you know, listening to, you know, you or myself or Latrice say, hey, here's my lived experience, a media propaganda machine that says that's not your experience, because isn't that always the fight? Seems It seems like politically is fighting for a voice to say, no, we've really lived this, or as we've looked at these very recent times and these millennials, in a sense, have put it in our face, uh, unfortunately, with, you know, in a sense, the loss of, a you know, a George Floyd or Breonna Taylor is almost like as a collective to a certain extent, it's been this concept of saying, hey, this has always been going on, but we've been saying that all our lives. This is this is this has always been going on, and so there are again people in that group that says, "Don't get your hopes up just because it looks like the the, the America's paying attention." And I, I had a sister on just a couple of weeks ago that says, "Even this period right now, where it seems like there's quote unquote progress being made," she pointed out beautifully that it's being done in an exploitative manner. And exploitative to the extent that when you pay attention and pull back the curtain, you're seeing dollars attached to right now it's cool to say Black Lives Matter. Right now it's cool to say we're looking for, uh, you know, black this or black that. Again, these corporations are, 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 are as people like to point out, whether it's changing the name from the, the, the Auntie Mama and all, all that kind of stuff. So these things are symbolic, but but Malcolm X said, when you look back, the, the foxes befriended you, but what real change have you seen? So, again, I think these are valid concerns. Um, but like yourself, Latrice, what I'll say, we are up against this break. But what I, say, we'll say, what I will say, Latrice, and I like this about your point, is I think we have to take a multi-level approach. And so even in, within our community, even how we navigate in a society in which we are only 13%, I do get concerned when we bog down on the actual approach. And sometimes people, in my opinion, are not willing to take a multi-level approach to how we should proceed, regardless of whether the country is pushing for color blindness, if you will. All right, we are up against the break. This is a very powerful cut, brings in a lot of factors. So definitely whatever stands out to you, please point it out. If you're on the phone line, I see some callers out there. Please press 1 and give us your three cents on this morning's discussion. For the online listeners, 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. Press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. For all I ask is that you think. I'm terrified at the moral apathy, the death of the heart, which is happening in my country. These people have deluded themselves for so long they really don't think I'm human. I had basis on their conduct, not on what they say. And this means that they have become in themselves moral monsters. 
African in America or in Latin America or in the Caribbean or in the continent, you will be hunted no matter what you do because they do not want us to survive and become self-sufficient. And you can say no, but you haven't lived this life. Where is the white outcry against white racism that murders African people all around this entire globe? It doesn't exist. Black men only have like five years we can exhibit maximum strength and that's right now while you a teenager while you still strong while you still want to lift weights while you still want to shoot back because once you turn 30 it's like they take the heart and soul out of a man out of a black man for you guys to be okay tonight and to stop this chaos it ain't me it's not me i'm gonna let y'all know that now it's not us guys neither and i'm glad that y'all said that it's not us it's the police it's the madness that they spark us this is what they encourage this is what they provoke this is what you get out of you taking some a loved one from someone. This is what you get. You get a lot of people that's hurt, and they can't fit the right way. They can't no longer depend on the police to be here to protect us like they say they're going to do. So this is what you get. And no, it's not going to end today. I can't tell you it's going to end tomorrow. I don't know when it's going to end. But it's for y'all to start. We're not the ones that's killing us. Y'all killing us. We can't make a change if y'all don't change. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, do we truly want a colorblind society? My co-host, Eve Cox, and special guest, Latrice Ross. We'll start with you, Latrice, as the special guest. So we hear a collage. Somebody put that together on YouTube and we're sharing it here. Um, you heard different people speaking um, in that collage, but anything that stood out to you, um, you know, in that piece in reference to this morning's discussion question. I think it all just resonated with me, the fact that they've created this, um, they've created the beast that they're now, that, that's now at the forefront of this racial reckoning um, by the oppression, by the inequities, um, and then to create this and then want to go, oh, but now we're a colorblind society. We don't see race at all. We're all the same. But you've embedded the concepts of racism within our society. One of the things that um, recently I was reading a report, and it was highlighting a researcher who was giving a racial bias test to a five-year-old. And he was classifying people by skin tone, and he either classified them as smoky, smoky or non-smoky. And I'm oh, sorry, smoked or, or unsmoked. And when the researcher asked him why, 
he said that his parents um, didn't see race, didn't see color, but they did tell him that smoking turned your lungs black. And so in his five-year-old mind, he equated black people as having, as being um, smokers, and that's why their skin was black. But in this process, he also developed bias, negative bias against black people because his parents also told the negative aspects of smoking. And so in his five-year-old mind, he connected the dots from smoking and equated it to black people, and it came out, it measured as um, bias against black people on the test. So even in their efforts to create a colorblind society, because our society has equated negative negativity with black, bias is still being embedded in the minds of kids that they're, they're raising to be colorblind. Oh, strong point. Eve, any thoughts from that cut, that anything in that cut stood out to you in reference to this morning's discussion? I just hear the passion, um, you know, in the in the clip that you played. It was so passionate. It was, why do I even have to ask for these things? You know, so it was, that's, that's pretty much it. Okay. I'll tell you, for me, um, again, I've obviously seen the video, so I knew, in a sense, which voices were which. Um, but there was a particular mm-hmm. part, again, one of my, my one of my sheroes, uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, a, a, a story that if you're out there listening and you have children, make sure your children absolutely know who Fannie Lou Hamer is. If you've been a part of the Vintage Dialogue Community Club, I always big up her in reference to her life, in a sense, um, quite often considered the mother of the civil rights uh, movement, especially during the height of it. Um, that's how um, Andrew Young clo- chose to utilize, u- u- um, eulogize her, sorry, eulogize her at her death. And I just remember in learning about her over the last, maybe, maybe last 10 years, I don't think I knew about it, you know, maybe the last 10 years I first learned of her. And so I was just blown away by the fact that I never, in a sense, heard of her, but get, Part of the, I always say, obligation for us as African Americans to ensure that our children know their history so that they're not erased in this concept of color blindness. But anyway, to point out what she had mentioned was the idea when she was saying, hey, these young people are tired, they're fed up, and their concept is, if you, hey, if we can't have it, they ain't asking, like you say, uh, hey, if you can't have it, we're going to tear it up, and this is the key line to me that stood out and she said and we ought to understand that we ought to understand that that's how they feel and how and again maybe this is taking us a little off track but how often even within our own community do we get bogged down on that response because the title of that video you just heard is the, the comes from they call it to, to be a negro in america which comes from the famous quote by James Baldwin, who you heard open the video and close the video, didn't catch that voice, where it comes from that quote where he says, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be enraged almost all of the time. In 2020, do if we feel that that is valid still, in, in, in a sense, in this 
American existence for us as African Americans. It's not, it's not an endorsement, but I have said, especially with what just um, what just happened over the course of this year and these, in a sense, these uh, protests all over the country, which again, the millennials just proved that they're way more organized than we like to give them credit for. And some, unfortunately, turning violent, or if you will, and, and obviously there's a lot behind why some did and, and I'm not push, placing blame because I'm like a fan of Lou Hamer. I absolutely understand that response. And I've all been, and you, Latrice, you've heard me say this on even other videos where I says, and before you point the finger at those young people, the fingers should go back at us and we should take the blame for handing them a world in which they still feel the need to protest, whether it be peacefully or unpeacefully. Again, that's not an endorsement, but I am with Fannie Lou Hamer when she says we ought to understand. And and, and, and speaking of well. a colorblind system, yeah, yeah, please go ahead, Latrice. So I just said I am as well. When these recent riots broke out, I had countless conversations with the self-righteous members of our community who wanted to um, talk down on the young people, not understanding that that outrage is been, has been bottled up. And this is a fight that we've been fighting for decades, for centuries, and we're still fighting it. And that they have all of that pent-up rage inside of them, and they're unleashing it. Not, condone, not condoning it, but I refuse to condemn it. No, nah, fair enough. We actually got a caller that wants to get in. Terry Cole, 609, last three, eight, eight, nine, one. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. This is Marilyn Davis. Good morning, Montoya. Um, hey, how you doing? Thanks for calling in, Queen. I'm good. I'm good. This is such a hot topic. Um, you know, 400 years. I, I don't think we have to be apologetic for anything that we're doing right now. We're talking 400 years and counting, talking about a blind, colorblind society. In this country, there has always been a colorblind society regarding African and African-American people. They don't see us as people. They don't see us as humans. They never did. They still don't. And once we finally understand that, we can stop trying to go to their table. And we can set up our own tables and do the inviting rather than trying to be invited. We need to start with the vote. We need to get more involved in politics on a ground level. We need to groom our politicians and place them, those who will have our our interests and, 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 our, and our causes. We need to re-educate or educate our children, um, our masses as a people. We come from an illustrious, an illustrious civilization, and we can't let that die. I mean, when, when I introduce myself to someone, I tell them that I am Marilyn, the sister of Joy, the mother of Marion, the granddaughter of Agnes, the great-granddaughter of Mary, the great-great-granddaughter of Messiah, and the great-great-great-great-granddaughter of Elizabeth. And we are the granddaughters of the most, the most amazing cultural society ever created on this planet. And that opens a dialogue to the reality of who we are as a people. We continue to 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 name and claim that of the oppressor while struggling to remove ourselves from that. 
what we have to do is let that be their history. Slavery is their history. We come from an enslavement society. We are not slaves. We've never been slaves. To get that out of the way, first of all. This is not something that we need to deal with in their arena. It can't be dealt with in their arena. To say we want a colorblind society is to deal with trying to assimilate. That's not where we belong. Every single culture on the planet has their place, has their culture, their language, their land, everybody except us. And I don't care if you're in Jamaica. I don't care if you're in the Caribbean. I don't care if you try to detach yourself from the African-American plight and situation. They look at us all the same, except those cultures who think that they're not. Everybody's trying to separate themselves from us, even us. What bothers me more than anything is those of us who condemn us, those of us who sabotage us, those of us who ambush us, because they don't want to be any part of it of us either. So they want to go over to the to the majority and and stand outside the room and look in at us and disconnect from us. But those of us in the room have to deal with a bigger issue, and it's about time we dealt with it. Those young kings hey, that you just played, those young mm-hmm. kings that you just played, that broke my heart because that's the way they feel, and they don't have a chance. They're killing each other or they're being killed on national television every single day. It runs like a commercial, shot in the head, shot in the back, shot asleep in your home. You know, it's it's we have become so desensitized to it right now, and when you come upon someone and you ask them how they're doing, everybody's just fine. Well, I'm not fine. I am not okay. I am mm-hmm. not okay. I'm not okay. And I'm not going to be okay. No, I respect it. That's a great – we're actually up against the break, but I definitely uh, love the call, Great Three Cents, um, this morning. Um, definitely keep being a listener. Um, definitely consider becoming a, a supporter over at mentaldialogue.com. We need to keep – if y'all think what we're doing is something that helps, definitely need to keep it on the air. But appreciate you very much for your three cents this morning, Queen. I appreciate it. All right, we sure. are up against uh, – thank you. We are up against the break. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go, and everywhere I be, be, I don't even talk, talk, they still know it's me, cause I look like money, smell like money, talk like money, even walk. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. 
In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. If you have a product or service you want to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me. If you're an individual who likes what we're doing on this show, again, I encourage you to go to mentaldialogue.com. The reality is during this pandemic, 40% of our African-American businesses have, in fact, uh, went out of business. And so we are, as well, trying to survive this pandemic, and your support is greatly needed. So definitely consider becoming a minimum a supporter. Uh, only $5 a month, or if you're in the Atlanta area, obviously we can't have our, well, we're not, I shouldn't say can't, but we're not having our in-person event, which is the live experience once a month, uh, once a month over at Urban Grind, shouting out to Sundry. They're still in business, definitely doing a lot of online business as well, but we've moved to several online events uh, to include, as I mentioned earlier, the Mental Dialogue Connections event. We'll have that on uh, Friday, October the 16th as a Zoom event. Uh, we've also added, I'm, I'm glad to highlight the fact that we've added this. Uh, when you think about the name of our, in a sense, show, the name of the company, Mental Dialogue, I always make reference to say that that term simply means if we can improve the conversation inside your own head, you will be better. Therefore, the community will be better. But another concept of mental dialogue is that of mental health. So we've started a community checkup event called Y'all All Right, which is another Zoom event where we bring on um, PhD level psychologists um, to basically just check on the community. So that conversation um, was the last Thursdays of the month. Um, so whatever the last Thursday of this month is, again, all of this you can see at mentaldialogue.com. Become a supporter and a member of what we're doing. This morning's discussion, do we truly want a colorblind society? Tried to deal with it a bunch of different ways. Um, I think it's pretty been pretty consistent this morning um, that we absolutely don't want to be forgotten about. And then there's the concept of, you know, in a sense, do we move forward together with the majority? Do we do it ourselves? And I think it's a balancing act between a lot of those approaches, but ultimately self-determination is, 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 has to be a part of it um, to the degree that, you know, even you, Eve, as you said, being raised with the concept of I don't see color, and that's not, in a sense, how you live out your life now to a certain extent. And so even you found the need to, in a sense, find your sense of self because, again, we know that the way America has moved up until this point has been 
to a certain extent, as we keep saying it, in the, in the, in, to an erasure of us, of our culture. And, and, and you know, when I highlight a Fannie Lou Hamer, for example, the, you know, the push need for our community to go show uh, our children and our youth that long, illustrious history that I call the Maryland spoke of, because I think and know that it is absolutely necessary that that becomes way more important, in my opinion, than shooting for a colorblind society. And even if we clearly come to understand that colorblindness, I'm talking about even as a country, if we even learn that that's not what we're shooting for and the concept becomes let's shoot for a color-rich if that became the new concept, if that's what comes out of these these protests, if you will, from the millennials and saying, hey, you know, maybe the country's on the verge of progressing, well, that progress would be, one, becoming a color-rich society, but I would start with how we see ourselves, and I'll enter that conversation a little later. I'm just being very honest about that. Um, either one of you can jump in. We're kind of in our last segment, so if there's any, you know, if you want to respond to something I said, Marilyn said, um, any callers, you still got a second to get in if you want to press one. Um, but, um, you know, Eve, I'll, go, I'll ask you, you know, just kind of any thoughts to anything that you've heard, Marilyn, myself, uh, or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, do we truly want a colorblind society? I'll just kind of drop it off right there. Okay, I'll say um, we want a color-rich society. Um, I heard the caller early on reference that, and I wanted to mention that. Um, I absolutely love the way that sounds. Um, And, you know, I was just thinking about the last caller when she was saying we have to, you know, know ourselves. Um, We come from uh, richness and wealth, and we come from, you know, something – uh, that we should be proud of, um, and we are. Uh, we're getting to that place where we're starting to, I'm going to say, appreciate it, appreciate our blackness um, and what that means. Um, we've had to live it, you know, for years. And I just want to say this one thing. Um, it definitely does start with, you know, knowing who you are and what you come from. Um, but it would have to start at home. Um, so I'm just speaking from our for our youth as a, you know, past educator. Um, it's not being taught at school. So it definitely has to start um, at home um, so that we can continue to develop that color richness. I absolutely love that phrase. Latrice, uh, you know, your, do we truly want um, a colorblind society? Your thoughts? No, we don't. Um, because it's not when when we talk about being a colorblind society, it's not being colorblind society. It's it's immersing ourselves into mainstream society. We need a multicultural or cultural culturally rich or color color rich society where we are all able to authentically appreciate who we are um, and what we bring um, to our society. Um, Many were upset when Trump didn't denounce white supremacy. I wasn't. Let people be who they are because we're asking to be who we authentically are. Show me who you are, and then I know how to deal with you going forward. It's that plain and simple. Um, 
colorblindness, I think that we see that it's a failure. Um, more and more psychologists are talking about how it's failed and why it's failed and why, um, you know, I had such a difficult time explaining in a class why, you know, when someone says that, it's not a cop-out. It's actually, you know, there are psychological downsides to raising children to be colorblind. And we're now seeing what those downsides are, not recognizing the oppression that still exists in our society. It's not that they're they're intentionally blind to it. They are genuinely blind to it as a result of being raised um, colorblind. And so if we want to affect change, we have to acknowledge and embrace all that is black um, in our society without fail. Yep. And the toughest thing about that, and I'm going to say tough for this reason, because I, because as I mentioned very briefly, I think in the first hour, the idea of race being a social construct in the way we see it today, a thousand years ago, or uh, let's just say a thousand, yeah, a thousand years ago, uh, typically if your race was referenced, it was just more about where you were from um, than, than the way that it's looked at today. And so understanding that, again, in a sense, the elite of this country came over with this concept as our Dr. Claude Anderson talks about, uh, you know, the, you know, the race for the new world is how race came to be known the way we know it today. The race for economics, the finances, you know, if we, we absolutely understand like Fannie Lou Hamer said, the idea of this country being built off our backs, that free labor propel one of the youngest countries of the world to become, in a sense, the number one GDP country in the world, which is kind of easy to do when you get a bunch of free labor in, in your mm-hmm. reference to becoming a country, if you will. Um, so in a sense, with all of that said, and knowing that it is a construct, what ends up being tough is, is you're telling me that I realize that in truth, race in the way we understand it is a made-up thing, but in this society, I must focus on it. And I get it, though. I have to focus on it because I wasn't showing myself throughout my life. You know, I tell people, I accidentally came across the autobiography of Malcolm X, and it changed my life because it was my first time seeing myself. And I went on that pursuit. And in understanding myself and knowing myself, it helps me better navigate this American Reality. They say perception is reality. So in reality, race is a construct that is only a perception. There is no truth in it scientifically, but perception is reality. Therefore, right. I, too, am unapologetically black. Thank both for you, Queens. We are up against the end of the show. Uh, it's been a wonderful discussion. I hate that we weren't able to get uh, my other special guest, Mark Coleman. Definitely would have loved to get his three cents on this discussion. Um, but if there's anything that y'all want to just say, we've got about 10 seconds. Anything else you want to say, we'll close out this show. But thank y'all both for um, getting us through this discussion. Thank you for all the callers calling in as well. All right. Thanks, Montoya. Thanks, Latrice. Thanks for having me. Uh, you were wonderful. Mentaldialogue.com. Also support moneymotivation.com and bigsismedia.com. They are our sponsors, and we definitely need to circulate our dollars by supporting one another. So please go support them as well. I'm going to close the show with a racial parody in reference to colorblindness. We'll see y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. Man, there were so many incredible super diverse movies last year. 
Yeah. Diverse movies? Yeah, like uh, Moonlight or Lion, Ten Figures and Senses, movies that didn't like just feature white people. Uh. So interesting. I never really thought about that. Really? Even after the whole Oscars so white thing and all the articles written about it? Call me crazy, but I just don't see race. I guess I'm just the least racist person here. Okay. Race is like often like a pretty obvious thing to observe. It's not like racist to notice. <laughs> I had to laugh. Zach, oh um, my goodness. I only see one race. Ugh. The human race. Such bullshit. You're only telling yourself that so you don't have to think about racism or confront your own prejudices. No, I'm not prejudiced, okay? I don't even judge Trap for being a woman. I, I'm a man, Katie. You know that. No, honestly, I just guessed. This is going to sound nuts, but I don't see gender and I don't see sex. I just see people. You don't see how men and women look different? No, I just see, like, shapeless blobs walking around. Okay, and if one of those shapeless blobs were pregnant, you would then know that it was a woman. To me, it could just be like a heavy set man mm. with like a big watermelon stomach. Mm. Okay, I just am so committed to equality. I'm just a good person. Unless you're blind, you can tell that people have inherent differences. Oh, I wouldn't know if I was blind or not because I don't see disabilities. I'm not a monster. So <laughs> if someone were in a wheelchair, you wouldn't be able to see the wheelchair? I have never seen a wheelchair? You've never seen a wheelchair. I don't know what a wheelchair looks if like. You, if so. someone were in a wheelchair, you would not install a ramp in your building. I would refuse. But what if someone was missing a limb? It's perhaps tucked under their little butt. If someone were deaf? Talk to them as if they could hear. Why are you so proud of yourself? Okay, well, here's a thought. Maybe you don't get it because you have less experience on Earth than I do. Experience? We're all older than you. I'm sorry, but I don't see age. Oh, come on! You're telling me if there was an old woman and a baby, you wouldn't be able to tell which one's older? One of them is called an old woman. It's in the name, Katie. No, because I believe in equality, and I believe everyone is the same age. That's not what equality means. You have two older brothers. Can you at least acknowledge that? Yes, and I believe both women are my same age. Oh my god. Uh, what, what about your parents? How old were they when they had you? I think they are both ageless and every age at the same time. Jesus Christ, Katie, what else can't you see? Pretty much everything. Baldness, for example. So Bruce Willis. Is he bald? He's famously bald. I had no idea. Katie, why are you doing this? <gasps> Guys, come on, okay? I just want to be able to do and say whatever I want, whenever I want, and I don't want to have to think about the world's Actually sounds pretty good. I mean, I guess yeah, I can understand be, uh, that. Good way to live. Hi, it's Katie Mirovich from College Humor. If you